I'm glad to see you here this morning. Thanks for joining us in this uh, celebration of the goodness of God's grace. We are the people who have received that grace by faith, by the work of the Spirit in our hearts, and by uh, that amazing, great work of Christ on the cross that has provided for us. We don't provide for ourselves here. We are the people who celebrate having been provided for. That really is all we ever do here. So if you're looking for me to tell you something else that's required of you, all that's required of you has been provided by Christ. So there's nothing left for you. So enjoy. I wanted to, uh, before I get started today, uh, give some thanks to some folks who are who have provided examples of what we're going to be talking about today, which is this thing we call joyful service. If you look out over here, you will notice a great shortage of weeds. <laughs> Yesterday at this time, yeah, there were still a lot of weeds out there. And uh, we had a big crew here yesterday for our cleanup day. I'm sorry if you missed it. We'll have another one next year and you can participate. And uh, we, had, uh, we had guys out here, they were actually yanking those, what are they, acacia bushes? Is that what they are? Out by the roots. Like, yeah. And of course, there were lots of people who didn't do that. That was, you know, like a three-man job, three or four. And we had a guy out there with this, uh, do you know what a bush hog is? A bush hog is the thing you tow behind a tractor that has like chains and stuff that swing around and cut down the... Well, this guy had a bush hog that, you know, he pushed. I don't know. It was quite impressive. So thank you. Uh, and we had a bunch of people working in here. All these chairs at about this time yesterday were upside down. And someone was, some children were going and wiping the, bo the bottom, the wiping down every chair. So the chair you're sitting in this morning has no dust, even on the bottom side. There were uh, some folks working in the room over here. They're the lucky ones, because that room has an air conditioner. But they were in there joyfully serving us. You, you have to go in there. If you have ever been in there, the whole place is like completely redone, and it's awesome. So thank you for that. We had a bunch of junk out here in the, I don't know what we call this thing, a gazebo or something. There was all kinds of junk piled up in there. That's now at the landfill or wherever else uh, our guy decided to take it. Pretty sure it's the landfill. Uh, so anyway, I just wanted to 
point this out because it's such an example of what we're talking about today, which is joyful service. None of those people were here yesterday because they had to be. They didn't have to do that. But they did do it because they wanted to. Because they saw that hard work. Trust me. Look, I took an easy job. I was working in the shade. But some of these guys were out there in the sun, blazing hot sun, yanking up those trees by the roots. They did use a machine. But it wasn't a machine really designed for yanking up trees by the roots, so it was hard work and hot. Why did they do that? They didn't have to. We didn't pay them. Oh, and we aren't going to pay you, in case you were wondering. They were happy to do it. It was a joyful service. In fact, while we were here, I don't know, there must have been more than 20 people here. Uh, while we were here, we were all, every last one of us, having a good time. Someone cleaned all the doors. They were the last ones to leave. <laughs> it's a bigger job than you might think. Now, because of this, you can see out here, that area out there is actually a parking lot. So we would encourage you to use it. I noticed some of us are parking over at Sand Dollar or something. It's way over there, and you could park a lot closer if you wanted to. So, anyway, we want to give thanks for all this joyful service. This joyful service comes from a heart that understands the joyful service of Christ. That's what we're going to talk about today. I also noticed that this worship service, the singing that we've experienced so far, there, I counted, there were 13 people required for that today. That's a typical number. 13 people, and most of those people got here way before we started get everything set up, to get all the instruments tuned and to get everything together to provide that wonderful time of singing together about the grace of God. That's normal. That's a joyful service. That's what Christians do. Not because they have to, because they don't have to. Christ has done all that has to be done. All there is for you to do is something you get to do. 
That is what I hope we see because of the deliverance of the gospel. We see that all of the requirements of God have been met. And so now all God has for us believers in Christ is not a requirement, but an opportunity, a joyful opportunity. Now, some of these joyful opportunities involve hard work, sweat, sunburn, pain work. And yet, they are, in fact, joyful. The scripture says in Philippians chapter 1 at the end that it has been granted to you, believers. Now, I want you to remember the context of the book of Philippians, which is a context of joy. It is the most joyful book in the scriptures. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. I'm rejoicing. I'm rejoicing. Rejoice in the Lord. This is the constant theme of the whole book of Philippians. And then we might notice it's written from prison. And yet in prison, Paul is rejoicing that his hardship has resulted in great opportunity for the good news of God's grace in Christ. Because he's imprisoned, people who wouldn't have otherwise heard that good news have heard that good news. And because there are some people even making trouble for him, hoping to take advantage of his imprisonment, even they are accidentally doing him the favor of preaching the gospel. And he says, so I just rejoice that the gospel's preached. I don't care why. Someone's doing it just to make things worse for me. Well, great. Sorry, I'm going to leave that alone. Great. I rejoice because there's good news going. I can see this is distracting everyone. <laughs> You are all like, <laughs> it's actually quite funny. Okay, it's holding still now. Are we all good? Thank you. It's good. We can just leave it there. Yeah, it's fine. Because we're going to need it at the end anyway. See that little joyful service there? Yeah, so Paul's rejoicing. And he says, it's been granted to you, Christians, not only to believe in Christ, as though that were not good enough. Look, not only do you get to believe in Christ, you also get to suffer for his sake. You see... When we come into this, we don't really notice what constitutes an opportunity for joy. Because it's quite upside down from the way we normally would think about what would be an opportunity for rejoicing.
Perhaps the greatest example of this is, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. And the immense stress and suffering as our Savior anticipated isolation from God in the coming day. And in Hebrews we are told, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. You see, Christ saw the cross, the suffering, the sacrifice for my sin as an opportunity for joy. So when we are in Christ, our own system is revolutionized so that now we can see an opportunity for joy in serving others that we could not see as an opportunity before. We could only see it as a burden, as a difficulty, a commandment, something we're obligated to do, a duty. And now we can see it as an opportunity for joy. You can. It's possible. What would you do if you didn't have to do anything? That's my question for you today. What would you do if you didn't have to do anything? I can ask it like this. What will you do? What will you do now that there is nothing for you to do? What will you do now that God is not demanding one single thing from you? What will you do now? What will you do because you are not required to do a thing? You see how free we are? You can do whatever you want. Literally, whatever you want, you can do. In fact, I, say, I guess I would say this. You will only do whatever you want to do. What will it be? Do you see the vast array of joyful service that is your opportunity in Christ? That's what I'd like to know. Do you see it? You see, God has placed each believer into the body of Christ. Here's what we come in thinking. I come in thinking that I'm a part of the church because God wants to give me something through my participation in church, right? 
You might even hear it in the little pamphlet that someone used to lead you to Christ in the first place. They might say to you, now, if you want to grow as a Christian, you need to be involved in a good church that teaches the Bible. Well, that's certainly true. But that is not why God put you in the church. That's not the reason. God did not put you in the church so that you could get something out of it, though you certainly will. What's the scripture say? God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, just as he chose. What for? Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by what every joint with which is it equipped, by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds up itself in love. God gave you to the church to give something to the church. That is your joyful service opportunity. Now, this will make you happy for the joy. You, you, you heard what we read in that text in John uh, 15, right? Abide in me, and I abide in you, and you'll bear much fruit. That's joyful service. And by the way, I'm telling you this so that you will have the same joy I have in abundance. That's what Jesus said. But we have to turn our heads inside out and upside down because when I think about hard labor, I don't Think of that as a joyful thing. As an opportunity, I tend to think of it as a burden. And I only do it if I have to. What will you do? Because you don't have to do a thing. You are free to do whatever joyful thing you like doing. This is why when we talk about giving in this church, we talk about giving, not taxing. We talk about cheerful giving. The Lord loves a cheerful giver. The Lord does not need your money. He already has it even if you keep it in your own wallet, it's still his. And so he doesn't need you to bring any of your money over here and leave it in our offering. And you know what? Because we rely on his promise of his provision in perfect generosity toward his children in his family, adopted, his adopted, redeemed, reconciled children. And we, because we rely on that from him, we don't need your money either. 
He has it all and he can arrange for it. To, he could arrange for all the money we need for this building to simply appear in that box back there right now. He has another plan. It didn't happen, just so you know. But it could if that's how he chose to provide and he is the provider, not us. So what you have here is not an obligation to give us money, to give this church money. What you have is an opportunity for joyful, cheerful giving. Sorry if I get angry when I'm talking about cheerfulness. But this is, I am preaching to myself here. This is what we all need to get. We need to get our brains inside out and notice that what used to seem like a burdensome obligation to us is now a great opportunity for joy. That is what the Lord proclaimed when he's telling his disciples, abide in me, abide in me, abide in me. And I abide in you, and you bear fruit. You see, that's really at the heart of it, isn't it? Abiding in him. This is what we talk about all the time here, resting in the finished work of the cross, where there's nothing for you to accomplish. What would you do? What will you do? Because you don't have to do anything. What if someone could benefit from your honesty? See, joyful service is any flow of God's gifts from a position of abundance to a position of need. It's active fellowship. It's true friendship. It's the natural expression of brothers and sisters. It takes a lot of forms from a welcoming handshake, from just simply smiling at somebody in the room. You don't have to do that. From a welcoming handshake to highly organized programs involving specialized expertise. Me and a lot of other people paid a lot of money, and I spent many years studying very hard to develop the specialized expertise I hope I'm employing in my preaching. That's one type of joyful service. But when you come into this room and you sing, that's a joyful service. Did you know that? Some of us think we worship, we come together to worship, and yet worship is just between me and him. Not according to the Bible. The Bible says, singing to one another. So when we sing, what a beautiful name it is, I'm singing it for you. We're all getting together and singing because you've got to sing about this, right? You can't just 
I don't know, talk. You've got to sing. What a wonderful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. And we sing to one another and we remember, yeah, that's who bought us. That's who we belong to. He is our greater brother in this great family of Abba. I can call Almighty God, Daddy. And I have the assurance of his word that when I come to him in Christ and by the Spirit, I am simply embraced and I don't have to bring anything. And whatever I bring is a little bit funny, right? Hey, Father, see what I did? And you're standing there next to Jesus. But he loves you because you're his. You don't need to do anything. What will you do? Because you don't need to do anything. What if you suddenly became wealthy? That's nice to think about, isn't it? You didn't do it through gambling, so okay? You just suddenly became wealthy. What if you suddenly became wealthy, and then a couple days later, you learned that your brother had an emergency need? And you have virtually an unlimited amount of money now. And he needs an amount of money that he can not himself provide, and he really needs it. Now, for some of us, maybe this depends on what kind of relationship we have with our brother. But here's something I can say with absolute certainty. You don't have to do anything. You can do nothing and you will not be wrong. Here's what I also know. You will do something. Not because you have to, but because you are, are free to. In Christ, that is who you are. You don't have to do anything, but you are free to do it. Now, I imagine, uh, you know, a material wealth situation because that's so easy to imagine and it's so concrete and easy to see. But here's what I want you to try, try, try. And if you try and you can't figure this out, I hope you will come and see me and let me help you figure it out. What is your wealth? Now, most of us go around thinking we don't have much of anything. It's crazy because even rich people think this. Eh, we don't have that much. 
But I'm not talking about our material wealth, though some of us have plenty of that. But what is your wealthiness? What is it that God has given you when he made you? Some of you are really good at music. Again, I'm picking out something that's easy. Some of you can't carry a tune in a bucket, as they say. That means you, you're horrible at music. And yet, all of us are called to sing to one another about the beauty of our Savior every Sunday in church. So I hope if you're a horrible singer, you're singing loud. So that the people next to you will sing loud so they don't have to listen to you. I don't, it doesn't matter how good you are at it, right? But we don't put the horrible singers up here with microphones. God gave them something to give it to us. What did he give you? What did he give you? For all those people that were here yesterday, it's just a few hours of time they had and some ability to do something. I, you know, I got to spray down the fans hard. Man, that was a hard job. I, had to, I got to use cool water in the shade. <laughs> Sorry. Just a little bit of time and a little bit of effort. You know, almost everybody has time. Now, here's something God has given you if you are in Christ. God has given this to you and you have it in abundance, and you might not notice it all the time, but what you have more than you can use is the grace of redemption in Christ, the good news. You have more of that than you can handle. You can't spend it all. You can't enjoy it well enough. You cannot dance hard enough to celebrate the goodness of that grace. So what... Can you do with all that wealth you possess? Give it away. It's a joyful service opportunity. You don't have to do anything with it. You, don't have, you have no obligation that Christ has not paid already. You don't have to do a blessed thing. But you can you do possess that good news. You might think, well, I'm not very good at explaining it. Then show it some other way. By the way, I think if you go around showing it other ways, people are going to start asking you to explain it. So you might want to study up a little. There's nothing to be afraid of. You are absolutely secure in Christ. I mean, if you share the gospel with some terrorist and he kills you, you'll be fine. And he'll be better off because now he's heard the good news. 
You can't lose. This is huge freedom. Every opportunity, every moment of suffering for the faith is a joyful service opportunity. Now, I'm trying to talk you into it, but I am not demanding it. And if I did, you're free to ignore me. And you can ignore me all from now on. You can do nothing good the rest of your whole life and you will still possess the righteousness of the righteous life of Jesus Christ imputed to you by the grace of God on the basis of your faith. (laughs) Done. Jesus didn't say the opportunity has now been created. He said it is finished. You don't need to do anything, so what will you do now? You don't have to do nothing, but you could. So since you could, what will you do? What if someone could benefit from your honest confession of your own struggle with sin? I'm going to ask that question again. Because here in the church, you know what we do? We go around pretending that we're not actually sinners. Especially now that we've come to faith in Christ. Yeah, I don't have any particular sin. I'm a good guy. Christ has transformed my life. Well, I guess I would say Christ is transforming my life, but there's a good deal of work left to be done. What if someone could benefit from me confessing my own struggles? What a joy it would be. How would it amplify God's grace? I think when we all get to heaven, it's going to be a contest going to have a contest in heaven. This is pure speculation. We're going to have a contest in heaven. You know what the contest is? No, I'm a worse sinner than you. That's going to be the contest. No, I'm a worse sinner than you. Nuh-uh. Let me tell you how bad my sin is. Let me tell you how, what a horrible sinner I am. Because in heaven, we're all going to be really secure. So, you know, what's to lose? And the horribleness of our sin amplifies the glory of God's grace. You see this in the Apostle Paul when he says, well, let's talk about sin. You want to have a contest? Let's talk about it. I'm the chief of sinners. This is the Apostle Paul. And when he says, I'm the chief of sinners, he's not, uh, that's not a hyperbolic statement. He, that's what he believes. And if you look at him, uh uh-huh. I mean, this guy said, hey, hey guys, if you want to stone this Christian, let me hold your jacket. This guy was on his way to another town 
to try to stamp out the cause of Christ when Christ interrupted his life and saved him. So when he says, I'm the chief of sinners, he is not messing around. What about David, a man after God's own heart? He's going to have a lot, of, a lot of us beat. When he says, let me tell you what a horrible sinner I am and how big the grace of God is to reach down here. What if someone could benefit from your struggle, from your praise of the glory of God's grace? from your testimony as to how the wisdom of God's word has infected your otherwise sinful mind so that now you're seeing the transforming effects of it in your own life. Not because of you, but because of the cross of Christ. That's a joyful service. If God gives me credit for Christ's righteousness, then I don't need to pretend to have a righteousness of my own. Now, when we, you know, are real honest, people might reject us. Could happen. Does happen. Still, I win. You can reject me all day long, but I have the acceptance of Almighty God because Christ died for me and the Spirit opened my eyes to see it. There's nothing special about me. So if you notice there's nothing special about me and reject me, Mm -hmm. Get in line. I noticed that a long time ago. But now I'm free. Now I don't have to do anything. So I will do many things. Joyful service is provided for, motivated by, empowered by God himself as the Holy Spirit directs our attention to Christ for the glory of God the Father. Joyful service is powered by our growing trust in our security in Christ. Jesus said it in John 15, abide in me. He does not command us in that text to bear much fruit. You see that? It's important to see that. He does not command you to be fruitful in that text. How ridiculous is it to command a branch to be fruitful? That would be crazy. Of course he doesn't do that. I have some little banana trees growing in my backyard. Suppose I went out there and said, hey, 
Bananas. Everyone would look at me like I'm an idiot. Even if it was the right time, and it's not, but even if it was the right time for those trees to produce bananas, if I went out to the banana tree and said, hey, let's have some bananas now, that's ridiculous. I'm wasting my breath. I'm, I can't command fruit. No one can command fruit. So what does Jesus say to his disciples? Abide in me. I'm the vine. I am the instrument that provides whatever needs providing so that you, the branch, will have some fruit on it. What do you do? Stay there in the vine. That's all you do. Nothing. You just stay in the vine. So, joyful service is powered by our growing trust in our security in Christ. The, you know, you will become a better and better Christian. Listen to me now. You will become a better and better Christian to the extent that you realize that you do not need to become a better and better Christian. It will hinder you from becoming a better and better Christian if you take on the job yourself. The more you trust and rest in the finished work of Christ, the more joyful all your service opportunities will look. The more freedom you have, the more you realize how totally free you are, the better you will be at pursuing those things you are free to do. Joyful service is powered by our growing trust in our security in Christ. You see how I can happily get over myself? It's not about me. It's like the song we sang. It's not about me. I can do whatever you need that I have the capacities to do. And do so joyfully. I can notice that I've been provided something in Christ or that I've been providing something. I've been provided something in simply the way God composed me when he created me in the first place. I am here. You're here. We can provide. Flings can flow from relative abundance to relative poverty. You don't have to do anything. You will do more things the more you realize you don't have to do any of them. What's God given you? He's given you to us. He's given each of us to the rest of us. And next time, we're going to talk about how, we're not going to talk so much about each of us, but we're going to talk about how this comes together in what the Bible calls one new man, the body of Christ, the church.
Father, we give you thanks. Thank you for the liberty of the gospel. It transforms our obligations into opportunities. Thank you for the example of Christ and his hard, joyful service. Thank you for the people of this church who exhibit this every week, who show the truth of the gospel by loving us the way that they do. Lord, we, uh, we give you thanks in all these things. In Jesus' name, amen.